Semper Veritas, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Quarantine at Harvard. We have a killer interview uh, or conversation, as I should say. Uh, you know, I, I really do need to get into the habit of advocating for the very language I support. Because uh, again, conversation over interview, that's what I believe in. But in any case, though, before we get started, um, I wanted to share something real quick. Uh, Melissa, I don't know if you had the same kind of thought run through your mind, but I've been I've been in my dorm for like a vast, vast majority of my time. And I don't know. I don't know if this is the norm or perhaps borderline unhealthy. Uh, I don't know. What, 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 what have you been doing? No, I would definitely say that I, I think it varies across a lot of boards because you see some groups of people who are very actively going out into Boston, exploring the city, right. going into these various restaurants. And then you also have the other half of people who, uh, like myself, have been staying mostly in our dorms. Um, for me, I've been personally working on a lot of P-sets and classes and just focusing on my extracurriculars and maybe binge watching a few shows or two. But um, I think mm. it really just depends on each person and what their preference is, you know? Yeah, I suppose. But I mean, I wouldn't classify myself as a hermit per se, right? Like I, I still do value social life. But at the same time, I would like, for instance, as as the time of recording right now, it's 5 p.m. And I've only gone outside like twice, one to get my mail and the <laughs> other time for a run in the morning. So I don't know. I, you know, obviously the, the there's varying levels of confidence in the surrounding areas in terms of like COVID. So, so I don't know, some people take a very conservative approach and other people take uh, very uh, liberal approaches to, uh, to, to exposing themselves. And I don't know, I, I suppose it's just based on preference, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, like, I agree. I don't consider myself a hermit either, but I definitely, you know, sometimes it's just nice being indoors. And I mean, as, as much as I love going outside, I also have plenty of ways that I like to spend my time indoors as well, so facts facts it's the true jack of all trades in terms of where to find your find yourself uh comfortable <laughs> in. but um it, it, regardless uh you know like i said we have a fantastic conversation with brad wolf a fellow first year uh you know part of the class of 2024 fantastic just just a great all-around guy and on our youtube video you'll see that like both melissa and brad have like blue lights in the background they, they have like <laughs> their entire room decked out with you know these flourishing light shows and here's me with my boring beige background but um <laughs> you know I, I think the lights do reflect their personalities which is just bright and and, and fun but um yeah i mean we really did touch on, on some really interesting stuff right melissa no i definitely agree um for example we we talked about a lot about we even okay sorry so much to talk about <laughs> Um, so we talked a little bit about happiness and the philosophy of that among all three of us. Yeah. And then we also dived into just the fine arts and the impact, especially of TikTok. Um, and so really, it was just a fascinating conversation between all three of us. Right. And of course, he's unique as are every student, as is every student, as I should say. But what's curious about his I guess, uh, journey is that he's, he's actually in a dual degree, uh, with the Berkeley college of music. Uh, so, so, you know, t stay tuned for that as he, as he talks a little bit about the uniqueness of that program. It's actually fairly new from what I've heard, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of implementation. So, uh, yeah. So coming up here in just a few seconds, uh, you have our conversation with me and Melissa as hosts and talking to Brad Wolf, who's also in Winthrop, I believe, right on campus. Yes. Brad and I are both in Winthrop house. Nice. Nice. So, Stay tuned for that. We hope you guys enjoy a new episode of Quarantine at Harvard. 
right, and and we're live with another episode of Quarantine at Harvard. Oh my God. Okay, so it has been absolutely a hectic week so far, and spoiler, it's the first day of week two. Um, and you know, it's been a tough time, I think, for all of us to assimilate. So I kind of wanted to start off with your guys' initial thoughts on week two at Harvard. Uh, you know, anything that's overwhelming, underwhelming, if that's even possible. For me, it's like underestimating the reading absolutely uh 90 pages of reading is not what it sounds like it's not like i i don't know what i was expecting like you know like 90 pages of captain underpants but like (laughs) 90 pages of academic reading is like it's it's a it's a it's a fat stack but for you guys i'm I'm just curious what what has struck you like the hardest this past this past few hours and the first start of the show? Sure. for me it's just been getting into a routine the first week um i made a goal for myself to wake up at 8 a.m every day because i have 9 a.m classes um every day except tuesday so and i was like starting to get into a routine where i'd wake up work out get breakfast shower and then like eat during the start of my 9 a.m class and it was fine. And then this morning, I didn't have any 9 a.m. classes. I, my first class was at 12. And so I, like, tried to stick to that and just could not. I didn't even get out of bed until 10 um, and didn't work out at all. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. getting, on, like, stuck on a schedule, like, especially with no one else here to, like, keep me... Um, accountable. Like, account- <laughs> hold me accountable for when I'm not <laughs> doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, it's definitely been a lot harder this week. Yeah. No, I don't really feel that. And like, in addition to that, for me, I guess, um, I was recently on a Zoom call with my coaches, uh, my golf coaches. And so they were like, how are you practicing? What are you doing? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm just trying to practice in my dorm. And so I'm, um, I'm in Winthrop House. And so I've been me going too. outside into the courtyard with my golf clubs, literally just hacking at the grass. <laughs> and... <laughs> I can attest uh, to that. I've seen you at my window. <laughs> <laughs> it's so embarrassing because I feel so bad. I don't know who it was, but somebody walked out with their lunch, and I think they probably wanted to eat outside in the courtyard. But then they saw me swinging, and I waved, and then they just went back through the door. <laughs> I feel so bad. But um, yeah. What so do? so yep. So um, my difficult thing has just been, you know, trying to practice without actually having a place to practice. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like in any circumstance other than quarantine, you'll never see a student in the courtyard of Winthrop hacking away at oh grass God. with their golf club. I That's just that's a once in a once in a century thing that will ever happen at Harvard. I, I feel like. Oh, I mean, it's not as bad for me, but with my music stuff, because I'm taking all my music classes, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've had to turn. Oh, I shouldn't say this, but I turned one of the spare bedrooms into a, a music practice room, and like, the, mm-hmm. like I, we're not we weren't supposed to use those rooms, but whatever. And um, I just feel bad for my roommates because they have to hear me like pretty much yelling <laughs> for two hours a day, <laughs> yeah. bothering them. It's no, really yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. Like I like I was pretty sure that like they give us a practice space or something, but no, they're like use your dorm. No, yeah. but even on top of that, they were like, use your dorm. But then at the same time, they were like, you shouldn't be practicing your music and stuff. You like, you should be quiet, right? And or I like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I see the concern on your face. No, but um, no, no, no. I was like, what do you guys want me to do? Like, I'm getting graded for if I practice or not, too. So like, what exactly. do you right, want? Right. Yeah, I'm getting so, um, some mixed signals, honestly. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I've actually seen this in my dorm as well. There's someone who plays the flute down in my entryway. 
um, or at least a hallway. I don't know how to describe it. But yeah, same thing. Like, you know, w- with the absence of music rooms to practice in, you have to adapt. And in some circumstances, the uh, places to adapt are imperfect. But but yeah, for so so Brad, to, to clarify, you you have a dual dual. You're in a dual program, right? With um, Berkeley. Yeah, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how is that? Like, especially with the context of quarantine. So I haven't had any classes um, with them yet. My first one's going to be on Thursday. Um, I was supposed to have one on Monday, but it was Labor Day. And I'm kind of anticipating that it's going to end up being a lot of work. But I figured no better time to try it out than when there's no, literally no other extracurriculars to do. <laughs> so, um, I'm really excited because for me, for me, it's always been a dream to go to music school. But then at the same time, like I've always wanted to go to like like a liberal arts college. So to be able to do both is kind of a dream come true. Mm. Um, and it's like a super unique and new thing. It's only like three or four years old, the dual degree program with Berkeley. So I'm super excited, but I'm definitely anticipating it's going to be a lot of work. Good thing is there's no transportation this year <laughs> because like the in-person classes are canceled over there too. So I save an hour of transportation time this semester every day. Ooh nice yeah. actually yeah. yeah that's that's one thing that's curious because like for me as well like in normal i'm not part of any like official varsity team or like official you know music program but like in any other circumstance i if for instance if covid didn't exist i would probably be on the harvard club swim right which would take it up additional time of my day but given that it does not really exist yeah we have like zoom workouts but no <laughs> they, they don't really like work but um at least for now for now uh, it like opens doors to other po- uh, possibilities, and I think for you, Brad, it's the biggest thing is you don't have to like travel to Berkeley to take classes. It becomes very streamlined. Yeah, there's definitely like th- there's all there's always a blessing hidden within the curse. The curse being that there's no in-person music classes, which like defeats half the point of taking music classes in the first place because it's so good to just be in the physical space with an ensemble and hear them yeah um i'm like i've never taken online voice lessons i didn't take voice lessons at all this past year Mm -hmm. um i'm a singer like to get that out there um Mm -hmm. so i'm kind of excited to see how it's gonna work i've heard that the online voice lessons are great from some of my friends but um, the ensembles is definitely going to be a struggle online. Um, but like you said, I get to skip an hour of transportation. So it's nice. Mm. Yeah. And I'm curious as well. I'm going to, I'm going to jump this over to Melissa too, but I'm curious. And cause like for me, I, so I, I comped the CBE uh, organization, which is consulting in business and environment. I would think like, in normal circumstances, I would never go into consulting. Like that was just something I never would have considered. <laughs> but given that consulting is a like very virtually like transposable, like I feel like if we go back home for a second semester, I think I think I can carry on like working with oh. CBE pretty easily. Like I'm wondering like if how much that changes people's like like pathways because like I would never like what if I love CBE and like end up doing consulting right? Yeah. Um, in any normal year, I would never even have considered it. And therefore, I would never have considered going into consulting. So I'm wondering, like, how many Harvard students might, like, fundamentally change their pathways because of the decisions made in quarantine? Yeah. You know, have you guys made any decisions like that so far that, like, specifically has been 
imposed by quarantine? Yeah, I mean, like, I can speak um, for myself and for a friend of mine. Um, for me, I guess, personally, it's slightly different. It's more so that I don't have to worry about in pra- in-person practices for, like, my golf team or tournaments or traveling as much. And wow. so there I have, like, more time to do something else that I'm interested in, such as, like, I applied for the first year social committee, and I think we find out about that next week. So in ordinary circumstances, like, I just would not have time for that, and so I wouldn't <laughs> do it. But um, I guess, like, also, but, like, going more on, like, what – you were kind of saying like I have a friend um her name is Paula and she said she was just so extremely bored because of quarantine that she like calmed like almost like probably like a total of 10 different organizations and I was just like Paula like what are you doing like you're not gonna have time for this it's just like and I was bored and I feel like that's just like a result of quarantine like she wasn't necessarily interested in these things but like again like you said they're so compatible with like the virtual format that she just like went for it anyways mm-hmm. For me, it's kind of the opposite, I guess. Like, I was really looking forward to, like, trying all these new things. And I guess just reflecting on myself, like, instead of doing that now, I just double down on the things that I'm more comfortable with. Oh. Um, and with, like, promising myself that I get to explore all these new areas next year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I don't know if, if that's just a reflection on my style, but. No, um, I mean, I kind of did that with classes. Yeah. Yes, I would say classes for sure. Um, yeah, I'm curious to know how many students like have that same um, mindset, Brad, like treating this year almost, almost, right, as like a weird interim year that not not that it doesn't count, but it counts differently, right? Like, for instance, I did not take a language class this year specifically for the reason <laughs> that I feel like language is in-person language classes are kind of necessary oh i completely agree but i still am taking one (laughs) yeah yeah like like that's a clear cut example of me making a decision for my academics explicitly because of quarantine and covid um and like i'm wondering like how many people have made such decisions as well and like how like if you were to obviously you can't do this perfectly right but like if you were to compare you if you had four normal years of harvard versus you with one year of COVID, COVID Harvard, um, like how different would those two people be? And especially as freshmen where, for, as they all say, your first years are most formative and your first year dictates mm. the rest of your three years, right? Like, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm scared, but I'm certainly curious to know like how much would I have been different without this year, you know? Um, but re- regarding virtual formats and I guess as well as like <laughs> boredom, because I know, the rise of a very particular app has been attributed to people's boredom in quarantine. Now, it's been TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm no expert in TikTok. Uh, I've actually only recently downloaded like a couple weeks ago. But we do have an expert in the room. We do have an <laughs> It's not me. It's not me. I would not call myself an expert, <laughs> but well, thank you. By process of elimination, Melissa and I are not <laughs> TikTok stars. One of us is. And Brad, like, even if you don't attribute that to yourself, I mean... You know, I'm sure you have had a very, you know, personal relationship with the app, and um, you, you can know, say that. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and you mentioned something interesting that I think, not that I disagree with, but I know that some people do. You say that, like, what are you know? I ask you, what are some things that society got right? And you said that you think TikTok has has been a huge force for good in 2020. Yeah, I do. And can you elaborate on that a little bit? I mean, I, when I think of social media, I don't think of like TikTok seems to me the only social media that's just for our generation. Like when you when you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram, like they're they're here adults running this stuff. But TikTok gives um this 
like opportunity for nobodies like me to rise to the public view and they're all it's it's a gen z in an app um there's no like adults in our way and it's i think it's uniting our generation like you see trump getting mad at like gen z for booking all the tickets to the rally like where (laughs) else how else would that have been possible this year um also i just feel like this year especially when we're all trapped in our homes um it was my way of like knowing that other people were going through the same thing and feeling okay about that mm-hmm. um so yeah i do think like this is gonna sound crazy but i feel like tiktok is as monumental in 2020 as the coronavirus outbreak <laughs> like, i think it's yeah. spread faster than coronavirus too <laughs> yeah for sure we're gonna go there <laughs> like look at like, let's see the numbers like how many people have coronavirus versus how many people have TikTok. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so, but it's not like it's not like another pandemic that's going on it's, it's a force of good i think it's a force of good for sure mm. yeah because i know some people might attribute it to like oh it's like something that sucks up our attention and um but i really I, I would agree as well like like for me my favorite channels that i well, i don't know if they're called channels but like profiles there's one called hybrid calisthenics that like talks about like how to like improve your form Ooh. and stuff right right there's a bunch of educational ones and there's another one that like explains financial decisions like oh you shouldn't oh. get into penny stocks because they're they're trash um and i think that's true for everything like twitter for example is a great great um you know impersonation of on if you're if you follow the right people it's a great platform but if you follow certain other people it becomes a very toxic environment right would you say that the same thing for tiktok because i'm sure there are like i'm sure there are people who make insensitive jokes and Mm -hmm. you know like like racist remarks i know a bunch of people got like canceled over their tiktoks yeah cancel culture is is definitely huge right um I don't know the algorithm. So for people that don't use TikTok, pretty much there's an algorithm that's tailored to each person, and like, it definitely steals your data. But I don't care. Um, <laughs> like, um, and it pretty much figures out exactly what you like and don't like, like within a few hours of just using it, and gets you. Like, so that's why people are arguing about different sides of TikTok and like trying to get on other sides. But it's pretty much based on the videos that you're more likely to keep watching, mm-hmm. and more likely to like. And so for me, like when I'm sorry, when I'm scrolling on my for you page and then or I see my brother scrolling on his for you page or my friend scrolling on her for you page, like they're completely different apps, honestly. Right. Um so it definitely gives you what you wanna see and you have the power to change that if that's not what you want to see. Um without mm-hmm. even trying. Yeah, I suppose. But like again, algorithms have proven so much time and again to like really know who we are and the things that they recommend to us just are addicting, right? But Mm-hmm. Um, f- for you, so like you make TikToks mainly in singing, right? Singing and and duets. Is that well? Is that okay, so that's okay. That was like a pe- that was like a phase, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, an era. It ca- yeah. like it became my brand. So pretty much, I didn't. I made like a couple in January and February, and then during March, uh, I started like making a few singing ones that like blew up. So I started making those every couple days or like every day. Um, and then I kind of got bored of that after like a month or two. And now I just make random things that pop in my head and I'm not really active anymore. Um, but I definitely am still on the singing side of TikTok. Like I bet if I, wait, is our video going to be on this? Because if I, if I scroll, like most of them will be. Uh-huh. Most of singing. Wait, this is so embarrassing, actually. I'm not going to show this, but like here's a singing one. Right. Yeah, right. I can't show you. This is the most embarrassing thing ever. Here's another singing one. Like I get a lot of singing ones. And just like stupid, chaotic videos. 
Right. Yeah. Chaos is my other brand. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's the, Chaos is the Gen Z brand. Would Would you agree with that? Sure. I <laughs> I I love Chaos. I think it's so funny. Interesting. Um. Okay. I just a quick side question because I'm just curious. So, like, your stints with virality. Okay. Like. Like I how does that what feel? Means. What does that no, mean? No, no. Well, like, like viral, <laughs> like, like when when you said when you said like it blows up, right? When okay. like you get like hundred. Well, I don't know what your most liked, uh, uh, TikTok is, but like, like, can you describe to me like your emotions as you went viral for the first time, or if you remember? Yeah. Like this is gonna sound so bad, but like it makes you happy for the entire day. Um, <sighs> I mean the the draw of the app, like I feel like the reason a lot of people get it is because like anyone can go viral yeah like even if like some like you could have zero followers and get more likes on your video than someone with millions of followers um Uh and i guess the first time i had like of okay literally i got a video with 300 likes one day and like that was the (laughs) highlight of my day and like i couldn't stop like refreshing to see if it would have another like every time i refresh and like checking the comments and like people would always say positive things like and it had 300 likes and now if i got 300 likes I would cry so like um <laughs> like so um it's it's actually weird how relative it is because yeah well like if I had the same amount of followers I had like when I thought I had a lot versus now I think it was like a little like it's really weird um mm-hmm. but the feeling when it goes viral like I had a v- video that has like four million likes and I got like over 100k followers within a 24 hours just from that one video and it was oh, like weird like like I like couldn't stop just like refreshing and like seeing like a hundred new comments every time I refresh and they were all like nice things and it was just like it's just crazy to feel seen I guess mm-hmm. um like to know that other people are seeing you because everyone dreams of like being famous or something but it can mm-hmm. actually make it a reality just for like 15 minutes <laughs> um yeah and I just it's it's a nice feeling for sure yeah and i think that's well, why a lot of people are drawn to it mm-hmm. i was gonna ask melissa because like i'm sure a lot of people can relate to this as well but our group me obviously we're not like talking about four million likes but like sometimes when you like say like a really quirky comment and get like 17 i would say <laughs> se- i would say like 17 plus likes in our crimson crew group me is like a lot right Whoa, that's and the, the rush yeah the rush yeah. of dopamine you get when like your fellow peers like something that you said um maybe to throw out a theory right like during quarantine we've obviously been limited to our interactions with our friends and maybe that like feeling of i'm being appreciated becomes like hyperbolized almost during quarantine like man i you know people appreciate me or like oh i know other people are watching me uh maybe in a non-covid circumstance that's like less so but especially now where people are literally deprived (laughs) of interaction maybe that makes it like even more because i certainly felt when i got 17 likes in my group meet comment, <laughs> yo, i went off um i felt great um like i think i'd commented about like dean karana <laughs> during our during the, the commencement <laughs> thing and i got like you know 17 instantly and then like trickled up and i was like yes. tapping a thing and seeing the people who did like it like okay oh my God. <laughs> you know yeah. i mean i think for me personally um i i'm not sure about the like non-covid versus covid relation but i think that it's like you know, like, if I post something on Instagram, like, I expect my friends to like it. Like, I'm going to like all my friends' <laughs> posts, too. So, like, for that, I feel like it's, like, it's kind of normalized in a way. But then, like, yeah. with the group me, like, these are all people, like, that I just have recently met or, or that I probably don't know super well. But, like, like I kind of know them. And so, like, when I'm, like, when 
in that moment when you get like I think the highest I've gotten is probably like either 40 to 50 likes and so like in that moment it's like wow like all these people that I don't really know like like you're getting like recognized and I feel like in a way like I have not had this moment on TikTok but my friend has and like I feel like it's just getting that recognition from like all these people that you may or may not know but just like being like what Brad was saying earlier like just being seen and being appreciated in that way um because like obviously like you expect your friends to see and appreciate you or hopefully they do otherwise I'm not sure if they should be your friends but um but like I feel like just having it from people that you don't really know in general like that's just a completely different feeling and yeah like dopamine rush there so I feel like it's really controversial actually because there's the people that are gonna say like oh my god you're obsessed with social media you're counting your likes that's so vain but then on the Mm. other hand for me music is a performative art and you you make it with the purpose of sharing it like like yes music is so is fulfilling for me too but I want to be able to share it and just having the platform to share it with so many people that is what makes me so happy um right so I like, yeah, it was never really about, like, becoming a name for me. Like, like that was, like, sort of a imaginary prospect. And it still hasn't even happened, even though if, I, like, I knew that I had 300,000 followers, I'd think I was famous before. But, like, I don't get recognized on the street or anything. Like, that's not what it's about. What it's about <laughs> is just, like, when I make something and being able to get so much feedback on it. Mm-hmm. And, like, usually it's positive feedback. Like, that's really nice. Um, yeah, it's a good feeling. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. And I would say podcasting for me has been very similar because if we were to just have this conversation at like Widener, for instance, yeah, that's cool. But there's something about like throwing this out into the universe with the possibility of other people hearing it. Mm -hmm. It just makes it that much different and that much more enjoyable for me. Like my thoughts are no longer my own and I can I can now share it with people. And yeah, I think sharing again is like the ultimate theme of, I suppose, happiness. Um, and I know for you, Brad, as well, you know, like you mentioned in, in the little thing I, I asked you, um, you know, you mentioned the ultimate goal of happiness. And mm. I think for artists, that has always been like, okay, this is not, not to like sound stereotypical, but like for, for business and economy, like they, they're, they're so fascinated with the idea of financial wealth. But I've always found like artists to be have way more creative measurements of happiness. And I'm curious for you how you found that for yourself as well. Well, through TikTok, like the my favorite comments ever, like the first time I made a singing video that blew up, it had like over two million views or something. It was like, um, like it was like a you sing the melody and all on all harmonized behind. I'm gonna give myself credit for starting that trend also because I know it's a big thing, but I had never seen one of those before I made it, and now everyone's making it. So I'm just gonna plug yes, that I think that I started. That. I think I. I'm the one that started that but anyways the comments on that one were always like this gave me so much serotonin this made me so happy and it was a surreal feeling to know that I could make someone else's day better doing something that I found fun in the first place like that was the most fulfilling thing for me and like I would like cry like honestly like knowing that I can make people happier like that was something I've always dreamed of doing so that's why I felt I've kind of forgot what your question was oh happiness um yeah well it is it is happy i mean like come on like we're in a world with other people we're not here alone um so like i don't think like wanting to share art with other people it like makes you i'm so sorry there's like a no it's it's really funny because i hear it through the audio and i also hear it through my own windows i'm hearing it we're in the same we're in the same yeah we're in the same region yeah um like i don't like i think the point of art is to share it and get your message across so 
for me, that is really fulfilling and makes me happier. And knowing that I can make other people happier too, that's so awesome. Damn, word, man, word. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I've never felt you, that. Yeah. Like I've, I've never like felt like something that I was doing was making the world a better place before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a nice feeling. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And I suppose like this contrast actually, you know, like I've always thought, well, not hot thought, but like, you know, Harvard has a reputation of facilitating people who want to change the world at like a large scale, right? Mm-hmm. And something that I've realized as well, because I'm interested in education and I hear people talk about like the infrastructure of schools and like large boards and, and state level policy change. And for me, I'm just interested with the student, right? I just, you know, if you can like change a student's outcome, you know, that's that's more than enough for me. And and I know people who have different outlooks in life, they 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 their looks of change are different. You know, some people like massive worldwide change and they, they pursue that. And some people, and I would classify this as myself and perhaps Brad as well. You know, it's, it's those singular individuals that say like, you've helped me, right. That's, those are the most meaningful and most tangible. Um, But yeah, I mean like Melissa for you, I mean, you know, obviously we have different philosophies and everything, but for you, happiness. What about you? <laughs> no, I was kidding. But I mean, did you have any thoughts about about happiness? And damn, this is really getting like philosophical. But I'm curious if you it's know, okay. I didn't get have... into the happiness seminar, so I'm happy that I have this <laughs> Ooh, yeah, <laughs> opportunity to talk about it yes. now. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I guess, like, from a psychological standpoint, though, I think like when you help another person and knowing that you were able to help another person like that enough, like in turn, most most of the time, it in turn makes you happy as well. So I definitely see how like when you're sharing your art form and seeing the impact that it has on other people. Like, I think for so many artists, like, of course, one of their goals is to share their own emotions and their own expressions and their own thoughts through their artwork. But at the same time, I think that another big part of it is just like seeing how other people can connect and relate to it as well. And like, like when I look at other people's arts or their music, it's like, wow, I was able to really connect with this. This really helped me through something or something like that. And I feel like just having that power and that impact, it's like a really meaningful thing. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so in terms of happiness, like that's just like my thoughts on just like art in general. But um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I took a whole seminar course last year and it was just on, on the idea of happiness and how to achieve it. And I think that there's obviously a very like people have all these philosophical views about like steps that you should be taking uh things that you could be doing but I think in a way it's definitely like it just varies from person to person people can find happiness in different things because we're all different and like some like for some people this way of happiness might not work for like a different person and so I feel like you just really have to like for me I think the greatest source of happiness that I get is from helping other people and doing things like that and so I think for me like that's what I want to do in the future. Like I know that regardless of what profession I choose or what area I decide to go in, like helping other people will make me happy in return. But then I know for some people, like uh, you're talking about how with like the business side of things, (laughs) stereotypically, like for some people, like financial wealth is a sign of their success and that sign of success that they're doing well, like for them, that also could be a sign of happiness. And so you can get it from like various different places in various different ways. And I think it just, it depends on the type of person that you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Big, big answers for big questions, but 
Um, you know, but before we end off on this episode, I would like to give Brad this ultimate opportunity to <laughs> perhaps share his uh, philosophy on the greatest singer slash musician slash artist, in your opinion, uh, of our lifetime. Um, oh, <laughs> is, My... is this like an easier, easy answer? Okay, like, I don't know how to explain it and people are going to judge me, but I am um, like, no love Mariah Carey. She's my favorite <laughs> singer mm-hmm. and songwriter. And I guess it does connect back to the idea with happiness for me because what I think oh. she's able to do is convey her story really well through her lyrics and through her musicality um, like no one else can do. And so that's definitely inspired me. That's why I want to become a singer-songwriter now myself just because like music is my language of expressing mm-hmm. myself and I think it can help a lot of people and it's definitely helped me listening to her and I know like lots of other people share the same thing, even though she's a bit before our time. Um, yeah, that's just my point of view. Also, she's the best singer there ever was. So, I, yeah, I gotta admit, hearing I don't know what song it was, like the one that like goes super high up that I think only Mariah Carey can really hit. Yeah, it's emotions, on. emotions. It's 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 a hell of a hell of a talent. Oh, I feel so. so bad for her because of like the New Year's Eve stuff. Like, you know how like. People thought she was lip syncing at New Year's because her sound oh, got messed up. Yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't bring it up because it's bad, but it wasn't her fault, guys. It wasn't her yeah. fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, was it the national anthem or was it like another? Because I remember. No, was that, like was a... Fergie. that was Fergie. That was Fergie. Okay. Yeah, Fer... okay. That's another. That's a whole another thing. No, See, that's where should... expressionism. That's where expressionism may be like a little too. Uh, too much. <laughs> you could call that expressive, sure. If we're using the term loosely, you can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, great. Yeah, thank you, Brad. I really that was great. Um, you know, I I really do have a different outlook. I think on well, for one, happiness, TikTok, singing. Um, I really do yeah, appreciate your outlook t- on life. No, TikTok gets a bad rap from people that have never tried it. Yes. but I highly yeah. recommend. But you will get addicted. It's it, because it's good. <laughs> because it's good. It's magnetic because it's good. It's a good app. Yeah, yeah no, well trust designed. me, I was that person who refused to download TikToking up here pressured into it. Me and too. then and then when I downloaded it, I was like, I could not stop watching videos for like a solid week. And I was like, okay, this has gotta stop. Like I have school. And so like no. I had to delete the app to just make sure that I like wouldn't go on it. So really, because my problem with it originally was um like last summer I was doing a theater intensive and these kids would like use it in the dining hall instead of talking to people like just scroll and I was like dude like mm-hmm. we're here together can we speak so I didn't even get it until like January or like Oct- October and then I started making videos in January um and oh, it so was definitely pretty... I was huh? gonna say so you had a really like sharp rise to fame so to speak um because oh, it, like, it like came in waves like there were a couple videos that would like increase the magnitude of my followers by like some order of magnitude uh-huh. But then it started getting more like steadier once I got right. oh, some more, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Cool. Well, I think that about like we're we're right at, around that time um, to Darn. end off on this episode. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if I had my way, I'd I'd have like four hour conversations with everyone. I mean, I absolutely love talking to people, as you can maybe guess. Um, but yeah, thank you, Brad. Thank you, Melissa, as well for for joining in. But I mean, I absolutely enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, this is super fun. Follow my TikTok at the Big Brad Wolf, guys. Yes, yes. yes. I'll include it in the podcast description at the Big Brad Big Big Brad Wolf. Yeah. All right. So clever. Um, yes. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So th- th- that was it. Um, thank you guys for tuning in on another episode of Quarantine at Harvard. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course.